You're listening to audio from the 2022 Liturgy Collective Conference, a gathering for the promotion of rest, connection, and growth. For more information on upcoming conferences, visit liturgycollective.com. I can't imagine that it's super exciting to think about spiritual direction right after lunch, but it is exciting, and I'm going to tell you about it. Thank you. Yeah, I was really uh, thrilled when Tim said, it's mostly um, Presbyterians, but there are a few Anglicans. It's like, thank you, Lord. Maybe they've heard of spiritual direction. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell you about my own practice, and but I'm also gonna spiritual direction is like anything else Anglican. It needs to be tactile. So I'm gonna give you some opportunities, very brief ones, to experience just a little bit of what happens in direction. Um, when I when I meet with a directee, I begin by lighting a candle which represents the presence and activity of Jesus. And then I offer something for centering. And centering is a kind of active listening, which is meant to kind of ground us and to bring us into the room in the present moment and help us focus. Um, So I usually will start with a poem, and the reason for that is often if I start with a scripture and it's a scripture that somebody's super familiar with, instead of opening them up, they kind of close up because they think, oh, I know this, I know what it means, and, and that's the end of it. So with a poem, you have a much better chance of slipping in. So I want to... Uh, I want to... Uh, give you a poem by David White. This is a poem called Tillico Lake. And we're going to use this as a little bit of a centering practice. Um, Tillico Lake is in the Nepalese mountains. It is the highest lake in the world. And the only other thing I want to tell you about it is it's very difficult to get to. But when you do, it is incredibly pure and exquisitely beautiful. Uh, So you can listen with your eyes open or closed. You can take a few breaths if you would like. You can, um, you know, think your own thoughts if you prefer. But I'll read the poem twice. I'm gonna put about three beats of silence between each time. And what I would like you to do is just to ask the Lord to speak to you through this poem and see if there's a word or a sentence or an image that resonates with you. Some people will say, is there something that shimmers? And so that's, um, that's how I'd like to present it to you. Tillico Lake. In this high place, it is as simple as this. Leave everything you know behind. Step toward the cold surface. 
say the old prayer of rough love and open both arms. Those who come to the lake with empty hands will stare at it, astonished. There in the cold light reflecting pure snow, the true shape of your own face. In this high place, it is as simple as this. Leave everything you know behind. Step toward the cold surface. Say the old prayer of rough love and open both arms. Those who come with empty hands will stare into the lake astonished. There in the cold light, reflecting pure snow, the true shape of your own face. Spiritual direction is soul care. It's an experience where the directee and directee, uh, director and directee or directees come together to notice and discern the activity and presence of God in the directee's everyday life. When we light the candle and invite Jesus into the room, then our guest becomes the host. Because the primary relationship in spiritual, direct, in spiritual direction is between the Lord and the directee. The title, Spiritual Direction, is a super misnomer, in my opinion, because my role is not to lead, not to teach, not to disciple or advise, but to support through prayer, discernment, careful listening, and various contemplative practices, including silence, which I understand you've had a little taste of already today. I am currently a spiritual director and pastoral associate at an Anglican church, but my background is as a fourth-generation Presbyterian. And I'd never heard of spiritual direction, except in passing. Uh, I had a little experience with contemplative practices like Lexio Divina and various meditations, but was more or less ignorant when I joined a two-year apprenticeship to become a director pretty much on a whim. I was really drawn to the woman offering me the apprenticeship, and I thought, well, maybe I'll be good at this because I do have good discernment skills, and I've, um, I've been a recovering person for many years in two different 12-step programs, and I have sponsored many people. So I thought, well, maybe it's kind of like peer sponsorship um, or discipleship. But as it turned out, I had to unlearn everything I thought I knew. Spiritual direction is not prescriptive. It is not therapy or even pastoral counseling. It is companionship in the slow work of God, led 
and enlivened by the Holy Spirit, which goes wherever it wants. Routinely, I get ready to meet with a directee and I'll say to the Lord, I have no idea what this person needs. And I just sense his delight, like, exactly, you don't know anything. This is my work. So, uh, I think any spiritual director, if they are honest, will tell you that we encounter feelings of discomfort and powerlessness as we engage in this work because it requires us to yield our preconceptions, our opinions, our rightness, our desire to appear wise or spiritual. In essence, we are asked to die to ourselves every time we sit down with someone. But the rewards are great. Great for me as a director and great when I am the directee because anyone giving spiritual direction ought to be also receiving it. Alice Freiling is a well-known author and spiritual director and she writes, the effect of, of receiving spiritual direction in my own life is that I have become less active but more effective, more passionate, but less driven. Thinking about the theme of this conference, I would offer you spiritual direction as a path to rest. David White also talks about a place of uh, deep exhaustion and burnout in his own life before making some significant changes in his career. And his spiritual director spoke to him and suggested that the antidote to exhaustion was not so much physical rest as wholeheartedness. And I think that's what Alice Freiling is describing. Who else but our creator can lead us to the wholehearted use of the gifts that he has so thoughtfully invested in us. In Western culture and in my own experience of the Presbyterian Church, there's often kind of a conceit that favors the creeds and theology, you know, more intellectual stimulation, but neglects the heart spaces that offer connection and intimacy. And to me, this you know, this ignores the long line of friendship that is expressed throughout the scriptures, beginning with God and Abraham and continuing through Jesus telling his disciples that he no longer calls them his servants, but his friends. I have always been drawn to God the Father. I'm from a broken, really shattered family, and my own father was emotionally remote and inaccessible, so... God the Father sounded great to me, but uh, I, I didn't experience the same connection and closeness with Jesus. I paid him a lot of lip service, um, but that was about it until I began to sit in direction, and then more recently, I spent nine months going through the Ignatian 
exercises. And it was, it was a revolution for me, not only in an experience of closeness and intimacy, but it also enlivened the creeds and the theology that I too hold dear. I think that we Protestants can do ourselves a great disservice by dismissing things that we might consider Catholic with a capital C, when in fact they are Catholic with a small c, which means they belong to the church universal, the whole constellation of believers. I'm going to offer you a little guided meditation to end our time with a short passage from the 30th chapter of Isaiah. And I'll read it slowly. I think I'll probably read it twice and then give you a couple of questions to consider and maybe offer back to God. And this is the New King James translation. And um, I want you to be relieved that I didn't just bring the King James. (laughs) I do love it. (laughs) All right. Isaiah 30. Starting with the 15th verse, in returning and rest, you will be saved. In quiet and confidence will be your strength, but you would not. And you said no, for we will flee on horses, therefore you will flee. And we will ride on swift horses, therefore those who pursue you will be swift. One thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will flee till you are left as a pole on top of a mountain or as a banner on a hill. Therefore, the Lord will wait for you that he may be gracious to you. In returning and rest, you will be saved. In quiet and confidence will be your strength, but you would not. And you said no, for we will flee on horses, and we will ride on swift horses. Therefore, those who pursue you will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will flee until you are left as a pole on top of a mountain and as a banner on a hill. Therefore, The Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. So the first question I'd like to ask you, and I'll 
I'll put some silence in this to give you a minute to think about it. Is, is there a place in your life where you feel ragged or exposed? The second question is, is there something in your life that you sense that the Lord is inviting you to, that you are refusing or avoiding? As you um, reflect on these questions, I would invite you to consider what it means to you to have a God who waits for you, not to chastise you or correct you, but to be gracious to you. I, um, I'd like to close with uh, a prayer by one of my favorite spiritual directors, a Trappist monk whose name was Thomas Merton. And this prayer, and I'm going to have to do it from memory so I may fail utterly. I just want to put that out there. But uh, uh, this is... This prayer has different names. It's from um, uh, Thoughts. It's from a book of his called Thoughts in Solitude. And uh, some, of, some people refer to it as the prayer of unknowing. And other people refer to it as the prayer anyone can pray. But it's, it, I find it so beautiful. So... He says, my Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I cannot see the road ahead of me. I do not know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will doesn't mean I'm actually doing so. But I believe the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have this desire in all that I do. I hope I will never do anything apart from this desire. 
And I know if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust in you always, though I may be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me and will never leave me to face my perils alone. Spiritual direction for me is an opportunity to learn something about the path that we are on, the right road that we may know nothing about. It's an opportunity to sit with God in the silence and have him speak to our hearts in ways that are surprising and beautiful. So if you have experienced spiritual direction, bravo, keep going. If you haven't, I just would encourage you to try it. Thank you. Thank you, Tim, for having me. And thanks for listening.